Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Can we give it up for Pastor JJ? Uh, funny story, not only does he feed people spiritually, he actually feeds you physically. We were eating sushi, I think, one of those premarital counseling, and you fed me. And I'll never forget that moment, man. Like you, I was hungry, and you fed me. And so it's a perfect example of you know, being a pastor. Uh, like you said, my name is Eddie Perez. Um, been a part of Journey Now for five years. We uh, had the opportunity uh, to know a little bit early. And the way that we knew was my wife and I, we were on our way to premarital. We were just talking about like how exciting would it be if JJ were to just launch a church? Like we'd be totally a part of that. And so I asked JJ one time, hey man, are you thinking of ever starting a church? And he was like, nah, you know, I just, I don't know. And, uh. and so, you know, premarital just kept going on. We just started talking about some stuff. And then like towards the end, I was like, no, JJ, like, I really think you should start a church, man. Like, are you thinking about it? And he was like, bro, do you know something that I don't know? <laughs> and I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, he got like a little upset about it. I don't know what was going on. And uh, we had the pleasure of finding out then. And since that moment, we were like, yo, we're committed to building this house. Uh, when we gave that offering, I mean, we just, we just got married and we spent most of it on the honeymoon cruise that we were on because you don't really pay in cash, you pay on a card. And so before you know it, you start with like X amount of dollars and then you're at zero. You were late, I know. And uh, all we had left was pretty much what we gave and we really wanted to be a part. And so if you're here tonight, uh, wondering and thinking and considering whether or not to make this your home, uh, I definitely urge you to make it home. Uh, it is definitely a really good place uh, to make home. If you're on the fence tonight about to get involved or to take the next steps, then I definitely urge you to make it home, take those next steps. So five years later, here we are. Uh, we got married and we're still married. Uh, I've evolved. <laughs> That's a big deal. Uh, they say that 60% of you know, marriages divorce in the first five years, and they also say that 70% of statistics are made up on the spot, just like that one. So <laughs> I've evolved since then. I've actually become an Instagram husband, and so there's some pictures of my wife, and I've included myself in some of them, because you know, but you can't see because I'm so tall. But um, it's pretty cool. Uh, look at that. Year one, we got married. Uh, year two, uh, we both had silver hair. Uh, year three, we threw a big party. Year four, she got pregnant. Year five, we're parents. So uh, maybe year six, we'll have a second baby. Uh, we'll see. We're excited. Uh, uh, it's happening. It's pretty cool because like, I'm the determining factor, you know? So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna stop there because Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get to lead a small group. Uh, the name of our small group is the Redheaded Stepchildren of, of Journey Church, uh, which is pretty neat. Uh, those six people that are part of our small group are like, what? Uh, that's because I'm a redheaded stepchild, too. And so uh, tonight, I'm just really excited to be able to pour into y'all. But before I continue, I got to introduce you uh, to my favorite person in the whole world outside of my wife, which is my daughter, uh, Brooklyn Brave, uh, which we have some pictures of her, too, up there. Um, you know, true story, I, I really believe that God answers prayers. I, I really do. And something that I would 
pray a lot uh, while my wife was pregnant was that God, that she would be a happy baby, uh, that she would be joyful. And every time I look at her, I just see God's faithfulness. I told myself I was going to cry this early. <laughs> but I started talking about my kid, man, and I just started getting like a waterfall over here. But uh, speaking of my daughter, it's been great. Uh, honestly, being a dad has been, I think, the most exciting season of my life. I've also discovered that uh, babies have like this innate ability to turn everything that they, uh, that comes out of her body as a projectile. Uh, she has <laughs> peed and it's become a projectile. She has had snots come out as a projectile. And I remember one morning, she didn't poop for like five days, four days. And, and like, it became a projectile. <laughs> and it hit my wife. And she got a black eye. We had to rush her to the emergency room. It was intense. That didn't happen, but you know, you exaggerate a little bit. <laughs> um, she's starting to teeth now, so everything in my home is like super lubricated. So I'll pick up my remote and I'm like, Brooklyn was here. You know, she's starting to teeth, she's lubricating everything. Um, but honestly, it's been a, a great season. Uh, we're, on, we're trying for baby number two and there's like this knack of her wanting to wake up at the most inconvenient times. Um, not 30 minutes before the alarm goes off. Uh, <laughs> So it, it's, uh, but it's been fun. It's been the most beautiful season of my life. And uh, I'm just gonna talk about my daughter this whole time because it's fun. Uh, but I remember uh, the seasons when uh, my daughter uh, wasn't a part of it. And um, that's normal, it's a given. Uh, those seasons come and I'm thankful for the season that I'm in now. But here's something that I've learned about seasons that uh, regardless of the season that you may find yourself in tonight, uh, God should always be trusted because those seasons may change, he always stays the same. And it's always been this thing in my heart that I've learned in the past two years. And so tonight I wanna ask you the permission like JJ mentioned uh, to make this a living room. Uh, like it is in our small group. It's just a living room. I'm gonna be honest, we're gonna you know, have a good time, we're gonna laugh, uh, and I just pray that the word tonight uh, would minister to you. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go to Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one through 13. I'm gonna read it from the message version, so it may be a little bit different than the way it uh, sounds uh, or the way it reads for you. Uh, and I'm gonna go ahead and jump into it. The uh, words will be up on the screen. There's an opportune time to do things, a right time for everything, on the earth, a right time for birth and another for death, a right time to plant and another to reap, a right time to kill and another to heal, a right time to destroy and another to construct, a right time to cry and another to laugh, a right time to lament and another to cheer, a right time to make love, come on somebody, and another to abstain, get married, a right time to embrace and another to part, a right time to search and another to count your losses, a right time to hold on and another to let go, a right time to rip out and another to mend, a right time to shut up, JJ, you was talking about this earlier, a right time to shut up, I guess it's in the Bible, so it's allowed, and another to speak up, a right time to love and another to hate, a right time to wage war and another to make peace. But in the end, does it really make a difference what anyone does? I've had a good look at what God has given us to do. Busy work, mostly, true. God made everything beautiful and in its time, but he's left us in the dark so we can never know what God is up to. Whether he's coming or going, I've decided that there's nothing better to do than go ahead and have a good time and get the most of what we can out of life. That's it. Eat, drink, and make most of your job. It's God's gift. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, thank you for the people that are in this room. Lord, we're just so thankful uh, for your son, Jesus. God, we're, we're, we're praying, God, that 
uh, you would intervene tonight. We're praying, God, uh, that you would do a miracle in our lives tonight, God. We're, we're praying for your voice to be heard. Uh, God, I pray that you would soften the hearts of the people that are here, Lord, and that you would use me as your vessel, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Cool. You know, I shared with you guys this beautiful season I'm in with my daughter, um, but it, it wasn't really always that way. Um, about two years ago, uh, I made a decision, um, unfortunately, to, to step down from ministry. Um, it was a very hard decision for me at the time. Uh, I felt as though I couldn't uh, live up to certain standards or certain expectations that really I was placing my, on myself that I thought people were expecting of me. And so I was frustrated. I was in the stark season, this dark moment uh, where I just began to make some decisions that maybe I shouldn't have been making, you know. Uh, I began to uh, maybe do certain things that maybe I shouldn't be partaking in. And um, I felt stuck. I felt in this place where I'm just like, man, like nothing I'm doing, nothing I can figure. Like it's just like it's just like a funk. And I don't know if I was if I'm ever like the only person that's ever been in a situation like that where you're in just this weird season where you're just like, man, what is it? What is happening? It hasn't always been this way. And I love it because in, in, in the scriptures, when you're looking at Ecclesiastes, there's this dichotomy that's presented by Solomon. He talks a lot about the good and the bad seasons. There's a whole bunch of different seasons, but no one ever really seems to focus on the in-between of seasons. And I, and I kind of found myself in there, in that in-between, this, this frustration in seasons. And you see, I believe that when Solomon was writing the dichotomy of the seasons, the word and was a real big representation of time, between seasons. And I think that most of the people here, or maybe some of the people here, sometimes find themselves in the middle of a season. And you think you're stuck in a bad season, but you're really not stuck. You're just in the middle. You're just in between. And really, I, I believe that, yeah, sometimes we make poor decisions. And so we find ourselves in these specific seasons. But I think sometimes God ordains these seasons. But here's what I've also learned that in the same way that he may ordain most seasons, I believe that sometimes the length of those seasons are determined by us. I believe there's a crucial role that we can play as Christians, and I believe there's a crucial part that we can play that can shift or change the season that we're in. There's this really cool and awesome story. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite. Um, it's of Lazarus. Have you ever heard of the guy named Lazarus? Yeah, well, you ever heard of Jesus? Cool. Uh, you've heard of Martha, all right? You've heard of Mary. So there's a story. There's, there's Martha, and it's a, it's a true story because it's in the Bible, right? Uh, there's Mary, there's Martha, there's Jesus, and there's Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus uh, was very sick, and uh, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, but he was also the brother of Mary, and uh, Lazarus ended up passing away. And so in John chapter 11, verse 17 through 34, uh, you read this story of their encounter uh, and this, this whole miracle that occurs, and it's really neat. And it says this, when Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. There's a big, uh, not I want to say a big thing about this, but uh, Jewish culture, there's like this whole idea, and I'm not a theologian, you can research more of it, but essentially people, once they die, they have like four days uh, in like limbo. And so essentially, uh, these Mary and Martha, uh, when they were calling to Jesus here, you know, they were frustrated because Jesus was still not around. And it's been four days since Lazarus has died. And if it's been four days and it passes, there's absolutely no way that God could intervene in that moment. So just a little bit of context for you. So when Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away. And many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming 
and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Martha said, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you may ask God, he will give you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. Jesus replies with, you don't have to wait for the end. I am right now resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Yes, master, all along I have believed that you are the Messiah, the son of God who comes into the world. And after saying this, she went to her sister Mary and whispered in her ear, the teacher is here and is asking for you. The moment she heard that, she jumped up and ran out to him. Jesus had not yet entered the town, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When her sympathizing Jewish friends saw Mary run off, they followed her thinking she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. Mary came to where Jesus was waiting and fell at, her, at his feet saying, Master, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep anger welled up within him. He said, where did you put him? Master, come and see, they said. Now Jesus wept. Skip a few verses, verse 41 through 42. Then to the others, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know that you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that you might believe, so that they might believe that you sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out, a cadaver wrapped from head to toe and with a kerchief over his face. Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him loose. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Four days. Generally, when a body's been dead for that long, it begins to decay. It kind of blows up a little bit. Uh, and eventually, all those fumes release. And I mean, you're dead. Like, you're dead. Uh, I can't express enough how dead you are if you've been dead <laughs> for four dead days. Jesus wasn't dead for four days. He was dead for three, kind of, sort of. But four days dead. And so um, Mary, though, Mary knew, if only I can get to Jesus, uh, uh, I, I, I believe that he would do something for us here. If, if only I can get to Jesus. And so it, it, it's interesting to me because... Uh, so I believe that some of us in here are in this strange season uh, where we're waiting on God to do something, but we're kind of passively pursuing him. We're kind of passively trying to engage with him. But then you've got Mary uh, who wasn't being passive about it. Verse 29 through 32, you see this. Mary jumped up and ran after him. And when she arrives, she sees Jesus waiting for him. I remember seven months ago, uh, my life changed completely. Uh, there was no book I could have read. There was no podcast I could have heard. There was no counseling session I could have been a part of uh, to prepare me for the birth of my daughter. Uh, I remember uh, my wife, she was in labor for about 26 hours, roughly, something like that. It was a long time. And um, we, uh, I mean, not unfortunately, but uh, she was induced in labor. It was something we didn't want to do. And um, it just so happened to be that way. And so I remember that, you know, when the time came, 
you know, for Brooklyn to get here, the room was all of a sudden just full of like nurses and a midwife and a doctor. And very emphatically, uh, you know, we were all super engaged. And, and very emphatically, the, the doctor said, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you, are you ready to start pushing? And I was like, yeah. You know, there's this thing, they say like sympathizing pains or empathetic pains, whatever the saying goes. Well, she was pushing and I was pushing. And um, I wore a diaper that day, uh, just in case. <laughs> so I said, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> and so the doctor and the midwife tells the nurse, hey, just go ahead and prep her because uh, the baby's kind of still kind of in there. Uh, and so let's get her to, you know, place. I'm trying to say this without like being like all weird. Okay. And uh, so uh, the nurse begins to like prep her for the pushing. And so I'm there and it was like a, like, like if like the Steelers were playing, like we were like super excited, like, babe, you got this. But like I was here, I wasn't here. You know what I'm saying? I kind of just stood around here. And, and I was like, babe, you, 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 you could do this. I'm like, she's coming, I could see her. I couldn't see nothing, like it was nothing there. And, uh, and so she's pushing for about like an hour, hour and a half. And honestly, it was intense. But like my wife pushes so beautifully. It was just so <laughs> graceful. I was just like, wow, I'm just so in love with you right now. This is great. Wow, it would have been like, I was the one that got an epidural, but no, not me. Uh, it was great. And um, so she's pushing, she's pushing, she's pushing. And out of nowhere, you know, because I kind of made a transition, to see what was going on. And um, out of nowhere, the, the baby's head just starts to crown. And as the baby's head is crowning, the nurse says, okay, I need you to just hold and, and stop pushing. And my wife was like, okay. So the nurse is on her way to get the doctors and the midwives to come into the room to deliver the baby. And out of nowhere, my wife essentially says, I can't stop pushing. I can't stop. Oh my God. I'm so sorry, babe. I told you to read this before I preached. And he was like, nah, babe, I want to hear it. I told you. I'm like, you got to approve it. But hey. <laughs> and like out of nowhere, like, you know, the baby comes out. But like just the head. And, and, I, and I'm freaking out because there's one nurse in the room. There's no doctor. There's no midwife. This nurse is like panicking because she's trying to hold the baby's head. My wife is in pain. I'm about to have like an attack. <laughs> and so I freaked out and the nurse kind of was just like, so she, she just moves, pushes the button to call a doctor and I'm freaking out and, and I don't know what came over me. I don't know why I did it, uh, but I grabbed the phone from her. <laughs> yeah, I grabbed it. I don't pay this phone bill, but I'm going to grab your phone. <laughs> I grabbed the phone, and I yelled as loud as I possibly could. My mother-in-law was in there. She can attest to this. Um, I was still in that season of transition, by the way. <laughs> you should have waited like a year, bro. <laughs> you gave me seven months. I'm kidding. Um, but um, I, so I, I said, um, I need everyone in this. Uh, you can fill in the blank, which whatever word you want to fill in. Uh, but... I wasn't cussing at her, I was cussing and it was just bad. And um, it's all right, it's not all right. 
And I said, I need everyone in this room right now. <laughs> and out of nowhere, honestly, it felt like minutes, but it was really just seconds. Like, I was just freaking out. And in a moment, literally the room was full of like, the whole SWAT team was there, like, <laughs> of baby deliverers. And they're in the room, and the first thing, <laughs> my wife is like, babe, it's okay. I'm like, no, it's not okay. Like, that's my kid. I'll kill somebody. Um, and, and so, like, they, they come in the room, and the first thing the doctor, uh, the midwife that's going to deliver the baby and, and does what they do, told me was, hey, everything's okay. I was just outside waiting for you and for the baby to come. And, you know, I, I think sometimes uh, we're kind of stuck because we're waiting on God. And, and really, it's not so much that we're waiting on God, it's God waiting on us. And, and, and I think uh, uh, that there may be some people here tonight that are stuck waiting between hurt and healing, uh, pain and, and laughter, uh, bondage and freedom. And they're stuck between these two seasons and you have no idea how in the world to get out of it. So I did a little bit of research of what in the world causes seasons to change on earth. And so it's pretty simple. It's the inclination of the earth as it orbits the sun. And when I go back to the passage and when I look at the story of Mary and Martha, I, I can't help but wonder about her inclination, specifically Mary. You see, I, Martha just kind of, hey, Jesus, oh, my God, you know, Lazarus is dead. And she's having this discourse with Jesus about him being the resurrection of life and what he should have done or what he couldn't have done and, and this and that. But Mary immediately, when Jesus was calling for her, she ran after him. Martha came running, but Mary, or I'm sorry, Martha came walking, but Mary came running. You see, I, I think that sometimes the difference and what's needed to get you out of your season is desperation. It's an inclination of getting desperate. It's an inclination of honing in. It's an inclination of doing whatever it takes. Our desperation, y'all, I believe it because I've seen it in my life time and time again can lead to God's intervention. And I don't know what you're going through tonight. I'm not sure of the season that you're in, but I'm here to remind you that God is able, he is ready, and he is willing, and he is waiting on the other side of the good season. And all he wants is for you to get desperate. Get desperate. I got desperate, man. I got desperate because I was afraid of what could have happened to my daughter. But not only was my daughter born because of, I mean, yeah, she was born. But, uh, man, my spirit, man, changed in that moment. It changed in that moment. You see, I would come to church passively trying to engage in worship with God. Kind of like, I don't know, man, you know, I'm just not feeling it. I would try to read God's word, trying to hear him. And I don't know, man, I'm just not hearing it. And it wasn't until I got desperate. It wasn't until I got desperate. But you may be here tonight and you're probably saying, Eddie, I, I'm, I'm desperate. I've tried everything. I've done so many different things, but yet I'm still in this weird season. I'm still in this place. You may be here and you're saying, well, I can't find a job and I'm desperately looking for one. I've updated my LinkedIn profile. I've paid for a resume uh, to be updated. Uh, you may be here tonight. Uh, desperately trying um, for your marriage to uh, make a term for the better. And uh, for whatever reason, nothing that you're doing, the counseling, the fasting doesn't do anything. Uh, you can be here tonight uh, 
praying and desperately seeking God that your children will make the right decisions. And it doesn't matter how many times you bring them to church to journey youth, they're kind of just doing whatever they want to do. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think desperation is the answer for everyone. I, I do believe that it's the answer for some who are in here. But it may not be for everyone. Uh, I remember a moment in my life, um, if you know my story, you know my dad was in prison for about 10 years. And I remember seeing my mom getting desperate. Uh, so much so that she sold everything we had to pay $85,000 for an attorney to appeal my dad's case. Uh, uh, so much so that I remember during my dad's sentencing, I got up uh, and I asked the judge, I said, hey, can I, can, I, can I speak on behalf of my dad? And I desperately, nothing changed. Uh, it didn't matter how desperate we got. My dad still did his 10 years. And, 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 and my mom's not the only one that's gotten desperate before. Uh, you don't have to look that far. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? And what was going on in the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus was praying because he understood in the Garden of Gethsemane about the season that he was about to enter. He understood that he was about to get crucified and he knew what would come with crucifixion. Worship team can go ahead and make their way up. We're going to start wrapping it up. But Jesus understood what the next season of his life was about to bring him. So in Luke chapter 22... Verse 41 through 44, uh, it reads this, and, it's the, and it's, the, it's the picture of Jesus getting desperate. It says this, he walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. I think one could argue for the past three years uh, that Jesus was probably living his best season. Uh, Jesus uh, was baptized, and his father introduced him from heaven as his son. Like, that's insane. Uh, my dad never introduced me from heaven. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say the way he introduces me because uh, it's not allowed. Um, but <laughs> it's just Spanish words. Um, Jesus would calm the storms and, and, and um, the storms would be calmed. Uh, Jesus would lay hands on sick people and they would be healed. Uh, Jesus uh, would literally resurrect people like he did Lazarus. He would walk on Water and, and I find it interesting because all of these things that Jesus would do uh, were accomplished by simple prayers. You, you look at like, I mean, outside of him flipping tables, uh, you kind of see Jesus like talking to people like calm. Yeah, there's some exclamation marks here and there. And I'm sure there's some moments where he got a little more emphatic than others. But really, most of these things all his life, what he would accomplish was just done in the simplicity of just a standard old prayer. But then you've got Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it wasn't a simple prayer. It was such a prayer that was so long, I, I kind of imagine that the prayer was probably a few hours long. Um, it could have been. And, he, and he's praying so desperately, so fervently, that blood literally begins to form because of the amount of anguish he's in. And because of the grueling season that was about to come, but yet Jesus says to God, yet not my will be done, but your will be done. I want to show you guys something. Josh, can you come up here? 
So there's a feather, it's a peacock feather. There's peacock feathers seen much better days. Um, and I want this peacock feather to, to represent the weight of your season, uh, the difficulty of your season. Uh, I want it to represent uh, maybe the, 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 the hard season of marriage that you're in, the difficult season that your kids may be in, the difficult financial season that you may in. I don't know what season that is for you tonight, but, but let this be a representation. So Josh, I want you to do something for me. I want you to try to balance the feather on the tip of your index finger. So go ahead and put on your index finger. But when you balance it, I want you to just look at the base of the peacock feather. And so on the count of three, I want you for as long as possible, even if you drop it, pick it back up. Keep your eyes on the base of the peacock. On the count of three, on the feather. On the count of three, I want you to try and balance that feather. One, two, three. Go ahead, man. <laughs> See, I think this is a lot of us here. Looking down, trying to bear the weight, trying to balance the weight of our current season that we're in. <laughs> Marriage is tough. I'm going to figure this thing out. Kids are hurting. I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> Trying to balance the weight of your bills, family. Josh, do me a favor. Go ahead and stop. <laughs> I want you to do something for me, man. I want you to balance it again. But this time I don't want you to look down. This time I want you to look up. Look at the tip of the peacock feather up to the top. One, two, three, go. see the difference? You see the difference when you put your trust in the things above and not the things below? You see the difference when you put your faith in Jesus regardless of the season that you're in? You see the difference? See, I believe that Jesus in the beginning of his prayer was looking down. he would look at his problem, his peace came when he would look up at the scriptures. Who was God? Not only so, but when Jesus would look up, he'd say, you know what, God, I understand that Solomon said there's 28 seasons, but there's not one that says quit it. I ain't quitting. I ain't going nowhere. Because the product is always worth the price of process. Can I tell you tonight, that when Jesus was looking up at the Father, he was hurting, and he was trusting. He was saying that the product of your salvation is worth whatever price of process that you needed or that he needed to deal with. And tonight, I need to let you know that whatever the process is that God has you in your season, it is always worth on what's on the other side. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.